Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Joining me today is Jennifer Peters of Garden Park Nursing and Rehabilitation Center. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show. And as a reminder for you, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned all the way down so we can hear your questions and you can hear Jennifer's answers. The number to call is 318-219-4569. And you'll see it a little later and throughout the show, it'll be scrolling and show up uh, at the bottom of your screen. So Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much <laughs> for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's so wonderful. I love this particular Healthline 3 that we get to talk about. It's out of the norm of what we do is talking about uh, something that's so important, especially in this area, because we focus on family so much. And this is something that it's never easy. We kind of talked about last time. You and I kind of get in the realm of talking about all the good, but we also want to be realistic that it's, it's really hardly ever a very easy conversation to have when you get to that time of life to find that you might need to live somewhere other than the home that you've grown up in or they're used to living in with family. So let's talk about that a little bit. It is definitely uncharted territory. So many families, when I speak to them, you know, even apologize for I, they don't even know where to begin or they think they're gonna lose their parents' home so that's why they can't come or their mom says she's not gonna be able to afford it. So, you know, we want to help them navigate that process, whether Garden Park is the correct place for them or not. We've talked before about how different facilities have different personalities, kind of different populations. So we want to help them find the best place. Um, and usually, no one is interested in learning about long-term care until there is a crisis. Just last week, I was speaking to a family member where there were five siblings. They really were not on the same page, which is often the case. You know, some want mom to stay at home as, as long as she wants because she's happy, while others are like, it's dangerous, she's not in a safe situation. And what often happens is because no one really wants to make that decision, there's usually a crisis. Um, that particular family, this week there was a fall that has now led to she's in the hospital and she's gonna be coming for rehab. But what we try to tell all families is just take it one day at a time. You know, you don't have to make the decision today if it's gonna be long-term. You know, see how the rehab goes and we can help you navigate, you know, if it needs to be long-term or, you know, also help them transition back safely home with either with home health services or to an assisted living. Um, so we can provide a wealth of resources, even for families, you know, outside agencies that can help them financially, answer Medicaid questions, um, just kind of ease their fears about what long-term care is gonna be for their family. And that, there's so much there to talk about and to think about too. Um, with the idea of short-term care rehab, there's long-term, there's all kinds of things and there's, there's it's really difficult sometimes in families to find not only the right time, but the right conditions to talk about that. I can imagine with five siblings, even with two or more, if they're not on the same page, um, do, you, do you find yourself directing them toward what does, what does your mom want? What's the best for your mom? We often do, um, and we also try to get their doctors having those conversations with them. But there may be times where they will admit mom would want this, like maybe mom would not want to go back to the hospital. She would want to be on hospice. She would just want to be comfortable, not have aggressive care. But then the next day they completely change their mind and they're not gonna do what their mom wants. And so everyone reaches the, that place with some of those difficult decisions at a different time. So we just try to keep providing the information they need, You know, have their physician have visits with them, You know, do staffing, kind of talk about situations, You know, best case scenario for their family looks like. 
and just provide the information because they ultimately have to make that decision. But we often do say, what would your family want right now? Because that's what it needs to be about. And I've noticed in our stories over all the months that you and I have been talking about this, that it's it's such a lovely way that you finesse the conversations where you stay completely objective and you just keep saying, well, this is what we offer. This is everything that we offer. And the list is huge. The resources, the things that families might not even think about. Do you find that coming up in, in conversation where you're listening to what's going on, but you just keep offering, you know, objectively what you have here in hearing what they need? We, we do because, as I said earlier, there is a um, tremendous misconception yeah. about long-term care. There, generally, you only hear negative stories in the media that often have quite a slant without all the facts there. So it's kind of a hesitant situation, you know, apprehensive anyway, in, that mom needs a nursing home or mom needs this because they've always promised maybe that they were never going to put them in a nursing home. And just, I've been doing this for more than 30 years and the industry um, has changed tremendously during that time and even significantly from when I was a young child and I had a grandmother that was there that I did not enjoy visiting. It is definitely today a place where I think there is a great deal of living going on. Um, and as I said earlier, more than half of our people that come are only there for rehab and going home. That wasn't the case in the past. So just as our needs will be different, our needs and desires whenever we need long-term care if that happens, you know, the population today that we have has different expectations. I mean, they didn't need iPads and streaming TVs and Roku's and all <laughs> the things, you know, 20 years ago. But we really try to get to know the person. Um, there's often we just can't admit someone because either we don't have a private room that the family wants or we just don't have an appropriate roommate and we don't want them to start off on a bad note. If you're already hesitant about coming, we want to really make that first experience a positive one. Um, it's similar to when we started a project with Loyola College Prep a few years ago. We didn't, we knew high school students in general would be apprehensive about coming to visit a nursing home and so we really you know, we're very careful in helping them build those relationships and match them with residents that we thought that they would enjoy their time so that they would want to keep coming back, And which it exceeded our expectations. They were, you know, great students that took ownership of it, and it was a blessing for our residents and the staff. But we know everyone comes with a little bit of trepidation, you know, whether it's someone coming for an interview, a job, or, or moving in for therapy. Yeah, it's, and it's even if it's just the fact that it's something new, it's a big change. That alone can really bring out all kinds of personality characteristics and, and emotions. Well, and that's why we tell so many families, um, you don't have to say that it's a permanent situation. Yeah. Um, one of the examples you know I've given before is my grandmother was there on more than one instance, and we knew the last time that she was not going to be able to go successfully back home but she was 92 and had been in that same home since she was 16. So you don't wanna take away someone's hope. I mean, it's depressing, like the home that you've built, all your things, your surroundings, that you're not ever gonna be able to go back. So I tell families, just set small goals, like when you can, and those goals vary between families, depending on how much support they're gonna have at home. You know, so it may even be like when you can stand up in your kitchen in the room and make your own coffee or if you can make a sandwich or do these things um, 
sometimes like we have a we have a kitchen in our therapy room just for that so they can work on balance opening the oven putting things in washing some dishes um, and some families may know that's not a reasonable goal but it still gives the their loved one something to work towards that when I get to that point then I will be able to go home Now we have some residents that actually chose on their own to come there they were just <laughs> tired of being fearful of you know falling and just the day-to-day -day task that we kind of take for granted you know taking your medicine in the morning or fixing a cup of coffee simple things have become such a challenge um, that they are ready for some assistance and it makes it even better if they have some friends that are there or if they've known people that have been there in the past I think that's a really good point that I don't think we've talked about before that sometimes and if anyone's watching today someone may decide on their own that I would like that, I'm ready. I'm ready to go live in a place that something like Garden Park where it's out in the country, it's peaceful, it's beautiful. I'm just ready. I'm ready for someone else to take care of me and take care of everything. So do you get that a lot? Do you get that often where people have decided on their own? And I would say that more often it's not their deciding. Right. Now, so many when they come, their family is shocked, like if they take them home for the, you know, to out shopping or out to lunch, that how, they are just ready to get back and they'll actually say I'm ready to go back home meaning <laughs> come back to Garden Park I think it's just initially the word nursing home yeah you know many families have said don't tell them that are in a nursing home <laughs> like, <laughs> well we can't guarantee those words are not going to come up but I think when they get there and especially if they get connected with some of the other people that are there that have some of the shared interests they really enjoy it for many of them they had just been home alone you know, maybe with a pet or just, you know, watching television, but not really having much social interaction. Um, so they don't realize how much they miss that. So it does improve their quality of life. It does improve their quality of life. And that's another thread that's, I think, really common in our conversations to really bust that myth about what it means. It's, it's um, it can be such a welcoming, beautiful upgrade to the quality of your life. It's not someplace to go and be done. It's a whole new chapter. Right. But again, I believe that still ties back to the misconceptions that they've had, like I'm never gonna go to a nursing home, like they can't even imagine how their, their life is gonna be better, some of the simple things. And even for family members that maybe were 24-hour caregivers for their loved one that finally are just exhausted, um, appreciate the fact that now they just enjoy visiting with them every day, and some may come three times a day to visit, but they're actually, they're visiting with them instead of their being their caregiver 24 hours a day. Right. So for the family members, they have actually said it, it improves our relationship because I just enjoy visiting with her instead of being her caregiver. So if you can get over that initial hump of the stigma, um, that's why we encourage people to come visit. You know, we are active in the community trying to share information so that if you do need long-term care, um, you know, some families know that if they're gonna have a knee replacement or a hip replacement, they're gonna need skilled nursing that they're already familiar with it so it doesn't seem such a, a fearful place. Yeah, and I think that, are there ways that you could suggest to someone to start reframing that anyway? They kind of see it long-term, they just know their family situation. Their parent is fine, but they know that the situation is, if it comes to that, they don't have, they couldn't care for them. They're not able to do that. They don't have siblings who can do that. Um, can, are there things to start now to change that terminology and start talking about living in another place and, and reframe. What are ways we can talk positively about nursing homes? Well, for family members, they may they may know other neighbors that have someone there. You know, 
things are so much different now after COVID as far as, you know, if there's appointments, are people vaccinated, are we testing them? So previously, you know, we would welcome them to come have a meal with us or come to the beauty shop or, you know, enjoy some of the activities, come join an art class, you know, bingo, whatever it may be, just so that they could see it's really not what they think it is. So for family members, maybe if they have other relatives or loved ones or know of like um, church members of their family, the doctor might, can make some suggestions, just talking about all the benefits that would come there. You know, for some, just the challenge of going to doctor's appointments or getting lab drawn, I mean, it can be, you know, physically taxing on them, where if they're there, um, the lab is gonna come to them, the doctor is gonna come to them, if they need x-rays, any of those things, it's gonna happen right there, so they don't even have to go out to a doctor's appointment, which, you know, is a challenge. And it's just, you know, I use this word often, but we tell them it is not jail. You can have <laughs> pizza delivered, your family can pick you up, you can go out for an outing. Um, we can do as much or as little for you as you want. That's why we try to really have an individualized plan of care. Some are very social and want to go on all the outings. Some did not come to us being social at all and they just want to be in their room and enjoy time alone. So we just respect that. Um, and just the thought of, for me, and so for so many residents, I mean, someone's preparing your meals and you are doing your laundry and handling your medicine. I even sometimes wonder like, did I take the Advil that I took out or not? <laughs> so it really, some of the things that are challenging, there's someone there taking care of it all for them. Um, so it's just getting over the, negative ideas and that's one of the reasons we wanted to be here to answer questions for families um what you know we've had art shows or while we're taking residents out years ago um, skilled nursing facilities were not using social media and that's one of the reasons they started doing it like there's lots of great messages that we have that we want to get out to the community to see you know it's just not this place where you're dropping someone off and never coming back to visit which I think is another fear. We grow up thinking, our old conditioning is, I'm, you're just gonna put me in this put place. Me away. <laughs> you're gonna put me away. And whether you want to or not, you might not be able to come visit me. I'm gonna be alone or I'm gonna be with strangers. It's not gonna be the same. And what I'm hearing and what I see now is it's really not like that person, you get to still live your very same life. You get to do the things you really love and you're taken care of even more. You've got so many people catering to you and making sure that you have this great quality of life. Like, like you said, bringing the doctor to you instead of going to the doctor visit, bringing the lab to you instead of going to the lab. There's all kinds of treats that enhance the life you're already living. It's almost like you get to pick the things you love and take that with you and live here. Because you told me, I think one time we talked about someone who was concerned that she wasn't gonna get to have her glass of wine at night. Like that just wasn't gonna be allowed. And she can have whatever uh, she wants. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> That's what we've told them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there are many that have, like, church members that pick them up to take them to church on Sunday. I mean, they still can leave and lead an active life outside of the facility. Then there are some that are just aren't physically capable of doing that, and we actually do have church services come in. We have a beautiful chapel for them to mm -hmm. use. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, you know especially with a variety, like if we have someone that's on short-term rehab that's going back home in two weeks, that looks much different for someone that, you know, admits to us already on hospice, that's already, you know, just trying to um, keep them comfortable. Whatever their needs and their family needs are, are much different. So we just try to honor um, those because it is, um, what we do is a, a blessing. We get an opportunity to make a difference in someone's life, whether it's a short-term situation or long-term, you know, 
you know, we love when they're able to go home successfully and stay at home longer, but we also want to be the place, you know, to just provide comfort for their family during those last days. I also think that's something that's, um, that I would love to hear if I was considering moving in or, or, or asking a family member to live there, uh, that you and, and everyone who works there feels like this is a blessing. This is a service. It's a blessing that you feel you, it's a blessing that you get to be there and it's a blessing that you feel like you get to offer this to people. Well, um, I recently was writing this about um, a nurse we have there um, and I think it's true for many of our staff members that some people have a job and some people have a calling. Mm. And I feel like we are blessed with a, a great team where many of it, it is their calling. It is not just a job for them. So it doesn't you know, matter the hours or you know, they're gonna take care of them just like they would their mom or their you know, dad. Or, so it, we're, we're gifted in that area. And the same thing with the therapist. I mean, we have a phenomenal rehab team. They've had their own family members there. But they are, you know, motivated to help the person, you know, function at their highest level. And that may not be that they're ever going back home, but maybe they can be a little more independent in their daily lives, you know. So maybe they have been in the bed for a long time. I mean, just the fact that if they get them stronger and they can be up in the wheelchair and they can go out by the pond, you know, those little things make a difference that we often take for granted is, you know, helping them achieve their highest potential. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you ever take that for granted out there. It's really, so tell us about a little bit about the, the team that you have there. If someone's watching and they're thinking, well, I don't know, I have anyone who might be moving in there, but I might like to work there. It sounds like a great place. How does, how does someone go about that? Well, I've told many people this week, there is definite um, opportunities for advancement with us and just within the industry. We have many great success stories there where you know, one lady actually started off as a dishwasher and then she was a dietary aide and a cook, a nurse aide, and now she's a dietary manager. And I would say she's the best dietary manager in Louisiana. She's actually won that award before. But then we have some, you know, a lady that started off driving the van, started answering the phone, became a CNA, an LPN, and is now an RN. So we have many opportunities. There's some, if you don't feel like, you know, being involved in patient care is something for you, there are you know, human resources, business office managers, financial type positions. You know, our life enrichment department is a wonderful team of ladies that definitely are bringing the party and the activities mm -hmm. and looking for ways each day they can improve someone's quality of life. And, and that changed often during COVID. You know, maybe one hall couldn't come out to activities or they couldn't come for, you know, to the dining room. So they're, you know, mobile carts, you know, creating parades that go to their room, um, doing their nails. They're just very attuned. And, you know, the one activity doesn't, you know, isn't right for everyone. What is appropriate for one person isn't appropriate for all of our residents. So they really work hard in, in ensuring that we're doing something daily to improve the quality of life for each person. And, you know, that's not, not everyone wants to play bingo or not everyone can come to the art class. So they have a wide variety of things to meet all different needs. Yeah, it really is, and it is so individual, like you said. Sometimes we get that vision too, that it's gonna be, we're lined up to, to do the same thing. Everybody has to line up and do the same thing everybody does. It's lights at the same time. It's like, it's all programmed and it's not. It's you get to be yourself. And, and as much as possible as Garden Park does, they really look at each person's individual needs and wants. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, and that are the resident rights that everyone should honor, but we all know the ladies that are not early risers, mm -hmm. that do not turn on the light and come in there and bring breakfast before 10 a.m., but then we also know some that are at 4 a.m. wanting mm -hmm. to have hot coffee. So <laughs> we, you know, that's even from before someone comes there, we start getting to know them and asking their family, you know, what were their interests before they were in the hospital? What were their hobbies that maybe they previously enjoyed that they haven't been able to enjoy recently? Favorite foods or, you know, getting them to the beauty shop. Most all ladies love doing that or getting them connected with, you know, other men that have the same interests. So we start that from even before they arrive at Garden Park. And you talked about the community there too. Like whether someone knows anyone ahead of time, there are some that meet there and it's just like a new best friend all over again. It absolutely is. I mean, when there is someone that, that maybe is sick, they're making them cards, calling them while they're in the hospital. Um, they have, they've done a lot of um, Zoom meetings with <laughs> each other so they can see each other if they miss seeing someone that may have been sick. So they've done Zoom Bible studies but they just love or happy to see someone's face that they had connected with that may, you know, they haven't been able to be with in a while because of COVID restrictions. And speaking of that, you have a lot of technology there. You have the iPads, like you mentioned, and computers, and, and you know, we're, everyone's living longer now and they're learning new skills. It's not before we're like, that's just for the young kids. I mean, and so someone might be afraid that you don't have everything there for them that they are used to doing it. They like to get online. Maybe they like Facebook and even TikTok. And so you have a lot of technology there that everyone can participate in, right? Oh, we do. And we and families can also get their own Wi-Fi right. set up in their own room yeah. if they want more service than ours is able to stream right. with so many users. Yeah, so. And, and many of them think, um, you know, I cannot use that. And so when we first had the iPads to facilitate virtual visitation, um, they ask some of our staff to actually help teach their mom to use it. And so now they love it. The families have actually bought their own iPads so that they can FaceTime, grandchildren can call them. It's quick communication where they can see them or you know, even their family members may be sending digital pictures to their frames. So there's many ways that I think things that did not happen pre-COVID that they weren't families out of town were never thinking I can set up a virtual visit and then started doing that routinely and now that has continued and it's a great way for them to stay connected and just to see a familiar, you know, smiling face regardless of the, the residence condition of a family member um, that's smiling at them, just, you know, having some, sharing some stories and memories with them. And that makes all the difference. And we really try to encourage families, you know, if you have a loved one that is struggling with dementia, do not make those visits like interviews. You know, do you remember me? Do you remember that? You know, because that is a stressful interaction. Um, it's stressful for the resident that knows maybe I should be remembering. The family members are getting frustrated because they can't answer that question and they think the more they ask her, the more they show pictures. And so we're like, just do not treat it like an interview. You know, often be prepared with like some positive stories or memories. You know, maybe it was traditions you had at Christmas or family vacations or just funny stories about relatives. Music is a great connector if they want to play some music that they know their um, family loved. And then also just, you know, not to try to fill every moment with conversation. If they ask a question or a tell a story that be okay with a pause instead of thinking they're going to, you know, quickly give you a response back. So we try to help families navigate that as well. Because um, it, it's, you know, that's a difficult time to watch your loved one, you know, 
you feel like not know who you are, a different family member. So it's, but it's just the quality of the visit and the time together that's really important. It really is. Um, and that's another beautiful resource that you offer personally being in this industry and in this atmosphere for so long, but also what Garden Park offers. Say someone is in there and they haven't had this talk, they haven't heard that say that they shouldn't, that interviewing might not be the greatest way to have a conversation, but they're not connecting and they're visiting and they're seeing their loved one get agitated or upset or worried. Um, it's a good thing to mention to come talk to you about it. If that's happening, talk about it and then maybe able to sound it out and and remind the family of something that they don't they never really knew about we do that often and we we keep providing those reminders um, just the other day I was telling a daughter was very upset because her mom didn't know her and her mom was crying you know the daughter was crying the, the mother seemed very good at initially in the visit but I asked her to step out and I was like even if she doesn't know you she sees someone that if you're a familiar face you're distraught you're crying like if you could just try to gather yourself together, maybe we'll put on some music and just talk about something nice and just in a nice tone and smile. And so she's not getting upset. So for many families, they may say, oh, I realize that, but then they can quickly get back into that mode where, you know, she should know who I am. The, you know, all of the drilling questions yeah. showing like grandchildren's picture. Don't you know this person? This is your oldest, you know, it just makes it, not as a positive um, visit as it could be for right. someone. And it is difficult, but I can remember a story going to see my grandmother in the nursing home, and I went to see her one day, and I brought her some flowers out of her yard. She had beautiful camellia bushes, and I went to see her, and I talked to her for like an hour. And we had the best conversation we'd ever had, and I was thinking, this is great, because she was so loving, and we talked about stories, and we laughed and joked, and just when I was about to leave, she goes, it was so nice talking to you, hon. Now, who are you here to see? Yeah. And she had no idea who I was the whole time we had talked. And I thought, Nanny, I, I'm here to see you. And she got a little, so I, I said, well, Miss Thelma. So I just started talking to her by her name because I realized instantly she had forgotten, but it was the first time she had forgotten me. And so I started talking to her and humor is my tool. So whenever thing hurtful, I just instantly started laughing about it and talking to her. But luckily I was able to appreciate in the moment she's probably we're going to have these conversations a lot if i'm going to continue coming here and so i did i didn't tell anybody at first i didn't want to worry my mother i didn't want to say anything um, i just watched in case she had the same experience but i had at least another few months maybe a couple of years of i would go and talk to her and i would tell her stories about herself and i would say well my grandmother this and she would just like humor me like i was this this girl and she loved it that I was this girl that came to talk to her. And it was a lovely, pleasant, but I really had to detach from the fact that she has no idea who I am and that's okay. And it turned into a beautiful relationship. It turned it into something totally different that I thought was a gift. I could have never had that with her. And she looked forward to it and I did too, but there was no, it was a whole new re relationship that we started. But that's wonderful. So you were still able to enjoy a beautiful visit with yes. her. I mean, I mean, you were able to quickly pivot. So that is a lesson that so many, we wish so many other people would, would soak that up and be able to do that and enjoy the time that you have. Yeah. You know, whether they know who you are or you have the correct name, just the, the, the quality of the time you have with a person. Yeah, it is, it's, I got very lucky that I was able to do that at that time. I know that uh, that was a blessing that 
something happened, I was able to do that and detach really quickly and not take it personally. But it's so understandable. When you love this person, that's been your grandmother all your life. And it hurts. You think that, why, can't, why don't you remember me? Or why do you remember someone else? Um, and you just have to really just, we don't know. We don't know what's going on with them. But they're still that beautiful, wonderful person. And you get to know them in a whole different way. And I think Garden Park, it, was so, it must be so comforting to know if that happens. They're at a place like Garden Park where they're taken care of, everything is taken care of, they're, they're, they're physically taken care of, they're watched after, and you have the freedom of just coming in and visiting with this person, which I think is a lovely gift if someone is living in that situation. Well, and we just encourage all family members. I mean, there is not a perfect place. Right. There is not, you know, and no one's ever going to take as wonderful care of our mother as we would probably do on our own. Mm -hmm. So we encourage family members to keep that communication open, you know, concerns that you may have, sharing those with us so that we can work on those. We may, you know, I've had family, multiple family members there. We may have some problems this week, and it may be a different set of problems next week. But we want to help them through that whole journey, whether it's, you know, communicating with their loved one that may be facing those challenges because they have good days and they have bad days. Certain times of day are better than others. So we want to provide them the resources of, you know, what it looks like if they're able to go home. Can you provide these services? You know, what long-term care looks like, you know, if they're ready for hospice, do you really want to continue this aggressive care? So we just want to provide that information for all the families and even the community um, as well if they didn't come to Garden Park. I'm sure that you do. It's lovely and what a great service and blessing that you offer. Do you want to give your phone number? Uh, 688-0961 and we are located at 9111 Linwood Avenue. Okay, and is there a website? GardenParkNursingAndRehab.com. Okay. Well, I I would ask you for one final thought, but that was actually beautiful what you just said. It was really beautiful. Is there any one thing that you would like to leave anybody with today? No, they can call anytime. We just want to provide a help and share some positive stories and, and be there as a resource if needed. And they can come visit you ahead of time and just see if it is the right fit for them. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, Jennifer, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having and me. And once again, Garden Park, beautiful setting, beautiful place, and such caring, wonderful people. Thank you. And everyone, thank you so much for watching Healthline 3. We'll see you next time. Have a wonderful afternoon. Good afternoon.